Okay, so now, hello, welcome to the Photographiska podcast. My name is Alexander Metzavert, and today I will be interviewing our newest artist, whose show just started yesterday, Ignaz Paulicevicius. And before we even start, how wrong did I get your last name? Because I'm awful with Lithuanian pronunciation. Yeah, yeah I understand. Uh, yeah, um, hi, everyone. Uh, I am Ignaz Pavlukevicius. So thanks for inviting me here. Um, um, yeah, excited to talk to you guys. So your newest, or not newest, but your piece, Waterproof Art, is in Fotografiska uh, from yesterday. And it's being... Uh, Explained the second time actually in Estonia. Yeah. So the yeah. first was in 2018. Yes, uh, you're right. Yes, and was it? And it was in a wholly different con- context. If exactly, um, it was. Yeah, that's what usually happens with with this work that I I choose a place or uh, a place kind of chooses me. Uh, in a sense that it kind of fulfills or or makes the concept work in combination with the place. So that place was um, Old Shipyard, which is very much technological um, space where, you know, there's hardware and everything, what, make, making things there. That's that's the story of it. And and my work is a lot about technology and, and future and being down to earth. So... It kind of uh, fits in a way together, uh, concept-wise, and this time it's it's uh, very different surroundings that it's in the gal- in the gallery or like museum. Uh, what do you call it? Um, so a museum context. Yeah, museum context. So it's it's again like when I was preparing for it, I had to think and and adjust the whole installation to adapt to the space. So it would work. It wouldn't stand out. Uh, too much uh, out of the context and thinking of people who would like I would get a different audience which is also interesting so and it's also interesting to see the way the work itself reacts to a different audience so because at the end of the installation it's always a different outcome yes I think that right now we should uh, explain a bit about the work itself because you probably know the old adage that the picture says more than a thousand words and since we're talking about an installation we would need uh, about a million, but we can give our best try to, you know, kind of explain it to our listeners uh, what it is, you know, both in a purely physical sense, firstly, so that they can get an idea about what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, I can try. I'm, I might forget some details, but so you enter the room, which is quite dark room, and you can hear the sound a little bit, a little bit before entering the room, and that sound is being generated um, as well as the whole installation. Um, but I will come back to that later. Um, so you kind of enter the room and you see probably the, from the first sight, you see the projection of a digital human figure being, which is um, placed above the pool of water. So it, it, the pool of water takes maybe half of the room, maybe a bit less. Um, and it reflects the lights and uh, uh, installation projection uh, of that figure that I ma- mentioned before. Um, and then later you can notice that in, su- in, in the middle of the pool, uh, there is 3D printed tissue, tissue box. box. So uh, it's all plastic and, and, and made from ones and zeros, basically. Uh, just same as, as, uh, as artificial being on, on the screen. And then later maybe you might notice the camera 
which is placed above uh, people's heads, which is um, scanning people's uh, emotions, like in facial expression, basically. Um, and it's scanning, uh, it's uh, collecting all the data. Um, so like anger, happiness, sadness, and you know, all the in-betweenness uh, between um, those emotions. So it's not only like, you know, okay, you're sad, so I'm scanning that you're sad. No, it's like levels of it and, 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 bits, and bits of other um, expressions that could be thought as an emotion, emotional expression. And all of this data is being fed to that being in the screen who is trying to find a way how to express his emotions felt. So what I did, I gave him, or I don't know if I can call it him, like this being um, ability to learn from us how to express his emotions. So he's collecting all the data and building upon it um, and developing during the time of installation. So today, yesterday, he will probably behave uh, more or less the same and sometimes react to different uh, people, sometimes not. And in the end, he would should have uh, built a kind of a personality or emotional, ex in, emotional intelligence. He's collecting emotional baggage, so to say. Even. Yeah, so he can remember everyone that has been there and it works like a human emotional intelligence, which is not like it wouldn't mimic. Like if you come uh, smiling at him, uh, it, it will not smile back at you or it will not wave to you back immediately. He might not react at all. Um, but in other cases, if, if the emotion is different and then someone comes with uh, same emotion that as he it has, um, uh, it might be a very different reaction, an immediate reaction, uh, which happened to me once. Uh, it was left on for two days on the weekend when there was no visitors, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, I came back to turn on all the lights and, and the projection, and then it reacted to me and left the screen. Really? Yeah, so uh, I didn't program it this way. And maybe it's a bug, maybe it's not a bug. I'm not sure. Uh, well, probably it's a bug. Uh, but it's an interesting um, to think about what happened. And it was interesting Did moment. Uh, uh, also um, a thing for discussion. So, and yeah, it made me wonder, like, should I continue with this installation and leave him uh, away? Which, well, actually, then there is no installation, basically, or people for people to see something. Uh, but then it came back. So, yeah. I think from a subject of, Artificial intelligence, it's extremely intriguing because, well, he was meeting his maker, so to say, yeah. and he decided yeah. to run away from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's really, uh, for me, interesting how this piece creates this sort of an artificial reality in the time span that it's presented to the public of the emotions that are currently in the air, so to say, or at least in the exhibition space. Do you collect uh, the data or the you know, the ones and zeros from every exhibition and sometimes compare them to see like you know, mm. what people live in Hamburg or what people live in Tallinn or what kind of people in Vilnius. No, I delete everything and always start from zero. So also it wouldn't uh, raise any questions of data collecting that I, I don't have uh, permission to do it. So, but also I think, uh, uh, yeah, it would be interesting uh, actually, but at the end I can still see the difference when I when I'm there, uh, shutting it down. So 
it it's always a, a different outcome so but kind of a yeah. emotional way not data collecting way yes i mean the piece itself although it's you know built upon a screen and 3d printed objects is enormously emotional for the about 10 or 15 minutes i spent there together with the how would you call him an avatar or i, I call it digital, digital being project, a digital being uh, I was feeling this sort of, uh, how the Germans call it, angst, um, kind of uh, coming out of him with the uh, checkered movements and everything like that. I'm not but, sure what, uh, I don't know German, uh, so <laughs> not sure what you oh, mean. Uh, um, anxious? Like deep or, feeling of, yeah, like anxiety or melancholy or like, yeah. if he himself with all of these emotions that he has learned is trapped in this digital world. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point that I'm actually um, referring to. So I'm kind of comparing us humans um, who were not taught how to express their emotion by actually teaching us to repress the emotion when you feel it. So as a as a child uh, growing up in in a post-Soviet society, probably it's everywhere. But I'm taking from my like point, my my point of view, um, then I can talk it from there. Is that for example from my childhood, and I meet many people who does the same has the same. Um, you know, I was always being told like, man up, don't cry, don't be a girl, don't show your emotions, don't be emotional. And then, you know, you go through your life always trying to repress the emotion that you have. And it's one of the most important uh, aspects of human life that you have to share emotions and show emotions to survive in, in, in a society like, you know, anger, sadness, or, uh, being scared, fear, right? Like, uh, hit and That's run. So, and what happens when you are learning to repress emotion and where do you hide it? You know, it's, it's not gone. It's always there with you. Um, it doesn't matter how good you hide it. Uh, it, it will come back to you and it creates a, a lot of struggles in, in your relationships with other people. And then you're psychic, uh, later on. So I think, um, that's what I'm kind of comparing myself uh, to this digital being that is also that might not have the expression. That's a, uh, again, a, another story of thinking of digital beings that human humans create, how soon they will, they will be human kind of human like, um, and what if they don't have an ability to express the emotion. So kind of comparing myself to, to a machine. So if I'm not able to express the emotion or not taught, am I more machine? Or if, if a machine has the ability and, and, and it's being taught to express, is it more human? But yeah, the whole thing is a, is a lot about sadness and, and the struggle of, of learning again uh, when you're 30 or 25 or, or a bit later than you, you should be learning how to, you know, how to communicate your, uh, your emotions and feelings to, to others. So the struggle is, is, is really painful. Um, and that's what I'm creating in, in the exhibition. So it's not a happy place. Oh, most definitely it is not a happy place, but it's uh, a serene place, so to say, because I think that uh, in a way the digital being uh, kind of represents yourself because in the piece, there is also a giant pool filled with water. And to me, at least, uh, the being on the screen seemed to live in an uncanny valley, so to say. Not really real, a bit digital, a bit real. But when I saw his reflection in the water, that's when he almost became uh, like a real being. Or that was what took him out of the uncanny valley for me, at least. Yeah, um, that's also why I use water. Um, 
the water has many meanings in this installation. And one of them is uh, connecting these two worlds, uh, with, uh, digital and, and, and the real physical world. That's what it brings, yeah, this, this idea that you just mentioned. And then at the same time, you, you look at yourself in that uh, water and you see your own reflection while you see a digital reflection. Actually, in this installation, it's, it's, this one is a little bit smaller than I usually do, and not, not in a size way, but also uh, there are usually four works. Uh, and in this case, there's two works. And in my original one, um, I have my like literal scan of my own head, like my avatar, my, my doppelganger, digital doppelganger, where um, he's placed, I am placed, or it is placed in VR, uh, where you can put the VR goggles on, of course, on you, and just be with him where he is trying to, to cry in a sense of, so I used a motion capture technology where that technology cannot capture uh, tears, right? So it seems like I'm really, really trying to, uh, I don't know, I don't have this word in English um, to express the, the feeling, but like really, really struggling to, to let something out. So in this case, tear or, or emotion. And, and then you just become one-on-one with this uh, a digital me. I think struggling, we all understand struggling. the emotion. It's called, uh, yeah. it's called I'm Too Sad to Tell You 2017, which uh, this work is based on Bastian Anders' work, I'm Too Sad to Tell You 1971, where he's using camera to film himself, how he's crying, reflecting the issues of the current, his world in 1971 and i'm here using the newest technology to to reflect the issues of of digital world that we are uh, facing today of of uh, again you know how we express our emotions through computers and and phones and how how real is it you know uh, like what do you feel behind the computer it's not what you represent yourself on the screen for others so that's a, a, another kind of a layer of this installation which is not that clear here, let's say uh, in Fotografiska, but uh, it's there. But I think Where that, the Neptune uh, also uh, can, can be uh, represented as a digital emotion, which is uh, plastic, actually. When I uh, first visited the piece, then uh, I tactically smiled the whole 10 minutes, trying to see what the digital being does. And to me, he was constantly reaching, actually, for the tissues in the mirror. <laughs> so uh, it truly is a piece that can be interpreted in so many different different ways. Yeah, uh, I mean... But, uh, yeah, okay, continue. Uh, yeah, sorry, no, I didn't want to interrupt. Okay, yeah, uh, that's what I always think uh, when I create artwork is to have, to leave a lot of freedom for people to, to interpret their own story, their own idea, because not everyone can relate to, you know, tears and inability to express emotion, but then there's this layer of technology and... and uh, digital uh, platforms and whatever, whatever whatever you make it of so yeah That's and also- actually like to answer your question like it actually it's not programmed to know where is the tissue box so it's just a coincidence that that you had and the coincidence really worked for me at this moment so yeah, that's the other way the how I do it i I like to put uh, you know kind of juxtapose different things uh, <clears throat> and see how do they make stories with one each other uh, in a kind of a non-linear storytelling way, when you don't know, when you never know what can happen, because installation is live. It's not animation. It's not vid- pre-recorded video. It's 
it's just so different all the time for each of each of, of people uh, it's continuously it's, happening and that's the piece itself yes i think it is really wonderful about your work uh, not only the waterproof heart but also your other series titling or dragging or sense of relation or even intensity how your pieces sort of give these technological objects or this technology a sort of a soul or a spirit in and of themselves or whenever i walked away from your piece or for example saw the titling videos uh, the technology of artificial intelligence and they are and photogram photogrammetrical scanning i hope i pronounced it correctly mm -hmm. really took on these new uh, feelings and emotions about them and you also like animated them or gave them life or took them out of the uncanny valley so i think that's an amazing skill or that you have in your in your work and in your art yeah thank you um <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry yeah, that was just like a pure compliment one can't really uh, well i can i can i can uh comment that also because also mentioned yesterday in the artist talk because it's, it's important for me at least uh to feel what i do That's why probably it comes out also as as more graspable uh, for 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 the viewers uh, of of my pieces. So what I mean is that I really have to understand and feel and know what I'm talking about. And then technology is just a tool in a way uh, to see how can I make. It. I mean, not the tool. Yeah, it's a tool, right? Uh, it's extension of myself. So I'm not really. Uh, seeing a big difference from uh, what is technology and a human being. It's it's kind of an uh, extension of our hands or of our bodies. So it's it's still us. Uh, the whole technology is basically us. So it's not just happened to be. We are using it to, 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 to make different things, you know, to work faster, to make it better. Um, it's again, we are making from our point of view uh, to use in different kind of fields um yeah but but i find so uh, contrasting in relation to the well everyday uses of technology or let's take for example augmented reality which you have used a number of times your pieces help us to connect more with emotions our humanity our empathy which we need to feel but then for example the most popular ar thing that has came out of recent years is pokemon go which will distances ourselves or uses these new forms of technology and these new forms of connection to actually make us live in our own private worlds, hunting Pokemon, so to say, or how, how do you feel how this technology can be misused? Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's all, it's again, yeah, different, probably industry, like where you, where you want to earn money and, and you just think about that. So that's where the danger comes in. because uh, you're not kind of, how do you say You're not aware of what you're doing. You just uh, your you know, your driving force is is probably fun and 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 earning money. And then what I'm also talking about in my works is uh, the being conscious of who is coding and who, uh, the whole you know app apps and 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 new technology and, and machine learning, which is like really really dangerous, especially with machine learning. I would say like we, there was a, an Amazon application for hiring people that was only based on machine learning. So it has been fed like thousands and thousands of apl applicants who had been hired uh, before the previous years in Amazon. And then they ran this uh, application for new uh, people who are applying and only mostly 
And in a big part, uh, people who were hired were white people, white male people. So they, of course, they saw it immediately that this is wrong. And uh, thanks God that they saw it and didn't uh, continue with this application. So, um, but when they were making, they were not aware of this. So it's very easy to amplify by using, making new technology, creating apps and so on. Uh, it's very easy to, to, you know, kind of put your own biases and, and judgment into a code without being conscious because yeah, without realizing it. And then what is interesting with machine learning that usually it emphasizes all the binary thinking uh, that you had programmed into it. And that's a good example of Amazon application system. And of course, the problem comes from more from the masculine side, because, well, let's be frank, most of the coder community is men in the end. Exactly. That's one of the I problems. I think even that, waterproof. Yeah, con- yeah. I'm sorry, didn't want to interrupt you. Uh, me neither, so you can continue. <laughs> okay. uh, I was just saying, uh, going to say that even waterproof heart, which has this, well, about as an androgynous uh, digital figure in, in the middle of it, as can be, it is still because of the lack of, you know, secondary traits like hips and breasts, it still feels masculine or it has that sort of a masculine energy about it. Yeah, as I said, I, I usually start from, from myself and I've been experimenting with like uh, really kind of having this a person that is me in the screen that you would see. And yeah, at, at first I was thinking like, you know, this is a male problem and so on. Uh, so kind of was focusing on this, but uh, during my research, of course, I, I, I understood that it's not a, only a male problem. It's 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 really wider. A human and, problem. And it's for everyone, basically. Yeah, everyone. So and then I I, I was making it more androgynous, um, genderless, uh, but still kind of molding from myself. So. At first it had penis and, you know, mustache that they have and, and looking manly, but I kind of molded it out into a androgynous being. So, and I, I just tried to, to make it also less human-like because it, it worked more that you see in not human, but kind of a digital being that you relate in a different way because it's, it's white. It's also like the, white is white. Yeah. Right. You, you, can, white. you can ask this whiteness, uh, in 3d programs, uh, is the, how to say a normal state. So it's like a fresh state where you like, you download any model. If you don't put any textures on it, you get this white. So it's, it's a, it's a kind of a, a newborn, uh, digital being. So that's why I also left white, uh, and also, as I often say, that when I use this technology, uh, I just look what is happening with it. So how does it break? How does it work? How does it uh, stop working? And what uh, crazy things happening while while you work with it? And and in this piece also, in, as in many of my pieces, you can see things that just came out to be because of technology showed the way. Uh, how it's supposed to be, basically. So you can see uh, this digital being in waterproof heart uh, with his mouth open, and it just happened to be open, and and I didn't fix it. it it's a bug in the program, which I like, which gives me I don't know. Well, I'm there, uh, a different feeling of of I don't know what even. 
it's almost like if he constantly has this expression of wonder about him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it was like a wonderful communication with a machine, so to say. But to get back into the coding of the entire piece, then uh, as much as I understand it, this, you were, so to say, standing on the shoulders of giants when building the waterproof heart because the emotional translation code and everything runs back approximately 40 or 50 years. Or how long have they taken tests about, about human expressions and computer scanning them? Uh, ki yeah, kind of right. Um, when you talk about 50 years and so on, that's, uh, that's not about machine learning and uh, scanning people. It's about how human emotion works generally for people. So to put in a simple way, it's, it's very complicated how human emotion works. So uh, there are different types of people. And then depending on different types of people, uh, it's different. And they're, you know, when they're growing and learning and they have formed some kind of personality. And then when they feel something, when they, when they, for example, angry, you know, and then what happens when something happens to them differently? Like if, if there are other people coming very happy when he's very angry, you know, he's not going to be happy as well. He might be more happier, but he also might be irritated. So that's uh, put very simply what I mean. So the whole system, which uh, is based on, on this avatar, it's as much as possible uh, that it's made like a human emotional intelligence. And the scanning itself of, of uh, people's faces is a recent technology uh, based on machine learning uh, recognition, facial recognition. And yeah, it's, I don't think it's, uh, it's something big. You just can download from GitHub and uh, use it if you know how to use it um, for your own project. So it, it has been trained by other people uh, that you don't know, uh, millions of people. And someone had to say, okay, this is happiness. Someone like this is sadness. And and then, yeah, you just use this, uh, bas basically this data. And I connect them uh, between each other uh, using game engine. That's which which lets me to have this installation live, like in real, happening in real time. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm... Yeah, I didn't build everything myself. It's it's like machine learning and stuff. It's it's complicated, and you have to study for a long time in order to be able to build something like this. So I usually start myself, experiment, as I said, and then when I see that okay, okay, this is going to be like this and like that, but I cannot make it, then I work with friends or, or hire some outside professionals. Yeah. But to carry on about education, I am just going to make a quick detour because as an artist, you haven't had a really usual education. You know, you finish high school and then you go to an art school and then you get the magister's degree, but you have studied an enormous amount of different things and lived in different places. And I think that maybe if you're, you yourself are comfortable with it, we can also tell a bit about it to the listeners because it's always more interesting to know more about the person and their history. Sure. Um, story, <laughs> uh, story of my life. Um, yeah, I, f I finished high school. I went to a medical school where I quit after a year because I got, yeah, I understood that it's not for me and uh, people are not that I, I, I would like to be surrounded by. And I went to, to volunteer in Zambia where I spent uh, some time. Um, then I went to China for a year. 
I, I was then in between those times I was in Denmark, uh, kind of uh, preparing for uh, voluntary work, like really preparing, like how to build toilets, uh, how to survive without uh, in the jungle. Let's say if if something happens, how to stitch your wounds with ants and <laughs> etc. So and then you go to to Zambia and then you do your voluntary work. Um, you live without electricity uh, or sometimes with, but the, most of the time there was no electricity because I was living in a, a small village with local people. Um, you cook on a charcoal. So yeah, go for water five kilometers away from from the village. <clears throat> then I came back, was preparing for China, where where I was teaching volunteers to to go to Africa. So yeah, that that was interesting times. And I came back to Lithuania. I was a teacher in International School of Vilnius, and during that time, well, it was fun, uh, but it was enough of for a few years because I felt that. I need something else, and I need some kind of a different uh, expression in my work. Let's say not not only teaching kids, which I still do actually, and I like it. But um, now I'm more teaching creativity and coding and stuff. Oh yeah, and then I decided to quit and go to the Netherlands um, school, not a school uh, academy, the Royal Academy of Arts, The Hague, where the program was called Interactive Media Design. Although it wasn't design, but there was a design thinking a bit. <laughs> know what you mean? And oh yeah, and then and then I did a master's in Vilnius Academy of Arts. Um, what I mean, so like it's called interactive media design, and then you think it can it will be a lot of design, but it was mostly contemporary art field that we were being taught but there was kind of this design thinking of why do you do what you do that everything has to almost everything has to have a meaning but also not necessarily but also then think that it doesn't have to have a meaning and that's your purpose i mean you have to base er uh, on something uh, everything you do and and be aware of what you do and why you do that and it's, I'm not saying that, you know, it's bad or they say that it's bad not to think uh, when you create because it's also a, a process of creation. Um, but they kind of uh, let us know also that uh, it's good to think and show other people before you put up uh, for public. As often happens that artists work alone in his studio and then uh, he he has epiphany and then finish the work and then shows to our public, but actually no, no one has seen it before. And, and what we did, we all, all always been taught that, okay, you know, share before, let people ask people, what do they think? Uh, does it work for them? Is this good? Is this bad? Uh, um, and, and just take it from there. So, and uh, I, I just coming back to the design idea, I think that, you know, the first artist who I started to compare you with, who have absolutely differing uh expressions of art is you know, Jackson Pollock, who only can create when he's not thinking about it. But if you sit down to you know, write code or how is my digital me going to act or how is my own head going to, for example, drop down a flight of stairs, then you need to think about it and to design it. And it's fantastic how you have actually so many different outlooks and approaches to art and how both of them can be so expressive and so emotional in and of themselves. Yeah, I think it, it has a lot of influence uh, yeah. in my work, yeah. Yes, but well, 
but well, coming back to the to the digital me that the audience themselves can meet with, I think that uh, although a lot of your work has these minimalist qualities about them, there isn't more than is needed, so to say, in the space, and they always comment or they're really forceful about the space. Whenever somebody enters the waterproof heart, I think that they can they'll forget about all of the world outside and all of the different exhibitions because the images are just so strong. And I find it fantastic how all of your pieces actually work really heavily with empathy. Uh, the digital me inside of the waterproof heart is learning empathy, but all of your different pieces actually uh, make the viewer feel more empathic towards either people outside the art piece or the even you yourself inside the art piece and I find it really really fantastic so is empathy something that you aspire to in all of your pieces or do you find it to be like one of your most important things yeah exactly uh, a good, good point um, good notice <laughs> um, empathy is one of my kind of driving forces uh, to to start from because um, there are so so many things in in our society uh, which is wrong or sad just because people don't have empathy towards each other, uh, not even each other, but animals and uh, other creatures, um, plants and like just, okay, maybe it's harder to empathize with, you know, plants and, and but just for each other. So, yeah, I, I, I often try to, to, to communicate this and, and create empathy in my work just to let people relate to to it, uh, not only like read and you know, think philosophically, but to go there and feel the word. Feel it. Yeah, feel it with yourself. Yes. Uh, even though you don't read anything about, you know, scanning your face and 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 maybe you're not interested in in technology and and so on. But without any knowledge, you can go there and you still probably will empathize somehow. With you, with yourself, with the reflection of yourself, with reflection of, of digital being or um, uh, just a machine. In that case, I think it'd be, you could be one of the few artists in the Baltics who could actually, you know, translate the problem of Black Lives Matter into our cultural context, because I think that so many people still don't understand what it's all about, how it's, you know, something that is not American centric, but something that is far from us, so to say. Do you think that you can, you know, be the voice of empathy in the context of uh, bringing the rest of the world to the post-Soviet countries or something along those lines. Well, if you mention Black Lives Matter, so in this case, I I, I, I believe I wouldn't be able to, to bring people closer to uh, understanding this uh, here in our countries because I'm also very far from there. I mean, I, f I, I can really understand uh, this problem in a way or this uh, times, these times, these times, yes. But I don't think I can talk about it because I really know very little. I haven't lived in the U.S. I wasn't surrounded by by people who were like minorities that had a lot of problems from <laughs> white people. So I don't think I can I can do this because uh, I have lack of knowledge on on it, and I can I can make something kind of you know I can make mistakes that might be too painful for people who really feels it and me I maybe I'm not the one to talk for them because you just you have to be there so that's that's why I as I said at the beginning that I really have to feel it to 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 create what I do and everyone has its own story to tell and black lives matter is not my story and I believe that there there's and there will be uh, good artists that can do that 
because it's their story. Of course. So what you're saying in the end is that to make art, you need to feel it to the bottom of whatever you can feel before you can actually start doing art about it. For me, yeah. I think that is a that is a beautiful thought, and maybe also a beautiful thought to leave our listeners with. Cool. So I would thank <laughs> you once again, Mr. Ignas Pavlikevichus. I hope I got your name a bit more correctly than yes, in the beginning. This, this time is much better, yeah. <laughs> But, and your exhibition will be open here until the 6th of September. Yes. Okay, so I hope that when you return to us at the beginning of September and at the beginning of autumn, you will see how much the expression of Tallinn in the digital me has changed in the past two years. I can always connect from anywhere where I am to see it, uh, how it's so, evolving. Okay, I'll remember it when I next, next time I walk into the room that you're constantly watching me through the code. Uh, well, you could say that, oh. yeah. <laughs> Almost like in the Matrix. Once again, but thank you very much. Thank you. Dear Beast, and all the best. Thank you.